Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I will break down how the Chiefs looked in their preseason debut, and we're also going to discuss Len Dawson. Uh, Joe, I thought it was a great debut. Um, the only issue I thought was with with the the backups. I thought the starters looked great, and also the Chiefs were rolling out players. We're talking second half here, like quarterback Shane. Buchel, I looked up the pronunciation. <laughs> I practiced it. Who, you know, is probably a, a he's a fine player, but he's probably a practice squad candidate. While the Bears were going with uh, Trevor Simeon, who's started a lot of games in the NFL, um, you know, is probably their number two guy, you know, deep into the contest. So the guys who impressed me, Sky Moore, yeah. our, our, our buddy jo- Justin Watson, who led everyone in receiving yards, had a touchdown. Uh, Michael Burton, I know you want to talk about the fullback. George Karloftis, I thought Leo Chanel actually played a little bit later, you know, not not with, but he was making some nice tackles out there. And of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes looked sharp as ever, hitting six different receivers on uh, in his short time in the game. Jeff, I, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, all the all the players I was thinking of, and 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 a little bit more. Um, you know, no pun intended, Sky Moore. Um, <laughs> but the, um, you know, to me, the thing that was most impressive about the game obviously had to have been the first drive for most fans, right? That was, it was methodical. It was out of the box because, you know, one thing I noticed that I haven't seen, uh, there hasn't been a lot written about it, hasn't been a lot talked about it, tweeted about it, was the use of the fullback set in that first drive. I mean, and, and Michael Burton had the catch out of the backfield and, you know, it's one of the things now that defensive coordinators, because they, they have to watch, you know, they're going to watch at least the first few series of these preseason games to try to get some idea what the chiefs are going to do this season, right. In those first couple of games, because what other film do you have? You can't go back to last year's because it's a totally different team, right? You can't, there's no sense going back and watching, you know, uh, on jet sweeps, you know, you're right. It's so, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to look at it. And what are the, what are they going to be focused on? Oh my God, the personnel is a fullback going to be in what defense do we have? If, if, if Burton's in the game, if they go into a fullback set, it reminded me of the old chiefs of old from my days, you know, with Bill Jones and Kimball Anders and Tony <laughs> Richardson and, and having a fullback and a, and a tailback set. Like it was awesome. And, and it was just one more, you know, recipe from the cookbook of Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid that are, is going to distract defensive coordinators. And, you know, Patrick, like you said, hitting six different receivers. He's, he's, he's throwing the ball. He's spreading it around the field. Kelsey has, you know, a great drive. I mean, the line looked good. You know, I guess the one thing that people probably will, you know, will talk about at least from the limited time that the starters had in there is, you know, they're going to they're going to they're going to talk a little bit about the um, you know, they're going to talk a little bit about about the line and and and, uh, you know, what's happening at right tackle. You know, I think I think Andrew Wiley has played really well. 
Um, I think Andy Reid and some of his pressers and some of the media stuff has, you know, kind of pointed the fact that he is going to be the starter more than unless something completely dramatic physically happens to him. Um, and I yeah. think he's got a, I think he's got a leg up because on the rest of the players, uh, because he, you know, he knows this playbook, which is complicated, right? So he's got a leg up on, on, on Jaron Christian and, and Darian Kennard, um, you know, and they're probably going to want Christian to focus on, you know, backing up left tackle, right? Because mm-hmm. that's such a specialized position. So I think, I think um, he's definitely got the leg up both, you know, which, ha- you know, 75% of the game is mental, right? And knowing the plays, as, lo- as long as he doesn't like physically blow something, you know, and, and, and just blow assignments or do something physically out there, he's, he's going to have the leg up. So I think, that's awesome going into this season with this solid line and the way they played. I thought they played really well in that first drive um, and a little bit into the second drive when some of the starters stayed in. So, you know, we were all holding our breath. Everybody came out, obviously Blake Bell, a little worried about that and and what this hip injury is going to look like, but you know, as long, you know, as long as they can get him healthy and, and get him back and, uh, you know, and get him, you know, get him some more reps towards the, uh, you know, as the season progresses, we'll we'll be fine. The sacks were there, right? I mean, they were pressuring the quarterback. They were. That that might've out of all those bright spots we mentioned, the Karloftis, the way he played might've been the brightest spot. I mean, he, he like jumped off the screen. He had a sack, he had another pressure. It looked like he could have had even, he was very close to even getting a, uh, the quarterback down some other times. Yeah, they're deep. They're deep. And, and again, and like you said, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about Justin Watson, the fellow Quaker, you know, I think uh, the nice thing about it is that he lived up to some of the hype that was going on in the preseason, uh, you know, with some of the stuff with the, the Patrick Mahomes, Texas, you know, off season yeah. workout tweet and, and the, you know, the comment to Brett Veach and the phone call and all that stuff and the texting, so I think I think he really um, really solidified a spot. I mean, gr- granted, we still have a couple more games to go, and so you know a little bit of the off, a little bit of the preseason left. But you know, when when you look at what he was able to do in that game, um, you know, I, he I think he absolutely solidified himself as a roster spot. Uh, and but I think he may have even you know we'll call it WR five, right? Wide receiver five. He yeah. might be he might be that guy at this point, which is which is great because it, it, it's a testimony to hard work, grit, doing, putting your nose down, putting your head down, just doing your job and, you know, contributing on special teams. So I'm really happy for him. Um, he's a really good kid. He's, he's going to add a lot of chemistry too, because he worked hard and he, nothing has been given to him. You know, he's not coming from a position of privilege or, uh, you know, a, a, a position of, you know, uh, you know, where things are expected of him. Uh, you know, he didn't play at Michigan. He didn't play at Notre Dame or Penn State, you know, so. Tell I think, that to Grunny, right? Like, yeah, I got to tell that to Grunny because you know, <laughs> he, he'd still be he'd still be talking about how I said, you know, Penn could beat Notre Dame. But but it's, uh, you know, it's good to say I think it was great. It was a great first game. I don't... And once there were just backups and we're talking the second half, it wasn't like second string. And again, from what I could tell, the Bears had kind of a. Again, Trevor Simeon, like if he, you know, he should be able to move the ball against if you <laughs> right. have Shane Buchel versus Trevor Simeon, you're going to like the Trevor Simeon matchup. Joe, to just expand on a few things there. Yeah. Justin Watson, I think is a roster lock. Um, you know, it's pretty cool that they, the chiefs always for these games, they, you know, since their new protocols, 
uh, when, when they changed kind of media policies during the pandemic, they would bring out three players after a game, obviously going to bring out Mahomes. Um, right. Usually it was uh, Tyron Matthew was the leader of the defense. Justin Reed was the one who came out and he talked about his field goal, uh, his extra point kicking. Yeah. And then um, Justin Watson was the third guy. I mean, he was, he led the team in, in receiving against that game in that game, had a touchdown. Like I, you know, I, one of the two scores, I, I, he's barring something completely unforeseen. Um, it, 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 I, he's going to be there. Um, the, the other thing, Joe, I want to say is, uh, yeah, Michael Burton is, is, is something like people don't talk about him, but Joe, last year he was eight for eight on either third or fourth down when you had very short yardage, like two or less, I think, or maybe it was one or less, but he's, he's a weapon. He converted that. He had the catch and a, a little connection, Joe, to make you uh, feel at home with uh, some Jersey roots. So we, he's going to make the roster. We're going to have two backs. If you include the fullback with a, uh, who went to Rutgers. Uh, we'll talk about right. Isaiah Pacheco. I'm sure he's, he flashed during that game. He went to Rutgers and so did uh, Burton who, Burton said that when he was going back for spring practices a few years ago, they were saying like, yeah, we have this guy who might be kind of special. So kind of a cool little fun fact there. Yeah. And Pacheco, now that you mentioned him, you know, we got to talk about, you know, he's been lighting it up coming out of the backfield um, during this training camp. So I think, again, it gives more pages in the playbook for Eric Bannamy and Andy Reid. If they can have backs that can run, that can pound it, that can, you know, catch out of the backfield. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some some guys. It's not it's not really looking too too good uh, for right now, right? I think Doris Fountain, I think is 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 looking pretty solid as well. Um, and and I'm I'm starting to see some you know like rumblings out there in in the media world of possibly keeping six receivers. Uh, and that that would be interesting. You know that they'd keep six receivers. Uh, I've seen things maybe where they'll be keeping nine linemen uh, just to make sure they have the depth. Uh, I think, you know, obviously if they're going to, if they're going to continue to have a three tight end set uh, package, uh, which they, which they, you know, they've, they've done and they will show that occasionally uh, you know, that's something that, you know, they're going to have to keep some extra tight ends. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance out where, the players are that they want to have these special packages and where they're going to have to, you know, trim a little bit. Right. Cause that's, that's the thing. It's you only get 53 players. So you got to figure out, you know, who you're going to keep and, and who you're not. And the nice thing about, you know, from a, from a, uh, from a kicking perspective is uh, you know, they don't really have to have uh worry about a backup kicker. <laughs> uh, Justin you know, Reed showing positional versatility we haven't seen on the Chiefs since the Joe Valerio days. Yeah. <laughs> he was catching passes. We have uh, Justin Reed, a safety, uh, kicking extra points. Uh, and, and he kicked like a 60 yarder in practice, yeah. like yeah. under a little bit of pressure. So, you know, uh, it just it's just so cool. This team is so cool. They're, they're, they, they always seem like they're thinking about something new. And I was. I was really, really happy with that game, you know, and you know me, I I've been kind of that little bit of a wet blanket as it relates to the preseason. Right. Cause I keep, of course, I'm going to go back to the days of, you know, Marty ball. And when we, you know, we work, you know, 13, two a days in full pads in a row, you know, and of course I always joke, you know, and while well, I walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, you know, I mean, I get, it's the old school. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't always mean to be a wet blanket about the, the way that training camp is, but I, I gotta say, I was really impressed. I think 
I think Andy Reid probably does it a little bit differently than other coaches. I think he he keeps pay, the pace pretty fast uh, at training camp, and it's um, it was really nice to see. I think it was very obvious, you know, clicking around, you know, the 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 the, the nation to see some of the other games. I I was pretty impressed with what the Chiefs did. Um, and I know it was only a drive and a half, you know, really when the starters were in and Patrick came out pretty quick, but Hey, you know what, for what they did, they did it. And I was really, really happy with it. All the signs, you know, are pointing in the right direction for the squad. Talk about wet blankets, Joe. I've been a wet black. You, you predicted the chiefs, uh, to win it all an understandable pick. I've been a little bit, you know, they lost Matthew. They lost Tyree kill. How are they going to replace these guys? I'm saying they might not win the AFC West, but I have, they looked, I thought they looked unbelievable and, and sharp. So uh, yeah, I was, I was really impressed too. And just back to your point about the training camp, I, I get it, Joe, you know, so the schedule pretty much every day um, they, they have practice at nine 15. That's like, not, that's a great time. It's not that yeah. early, you know, it's, and then the media session is always at, you know, 1130. And, and so that means that these guys, have their practice probably done at, you know, 11, 15 or before then. So nice two hour practice. They have their meet. Now they obviously they're going to work out. They're going to have a lot more meetings, right? That's not a bad day for training camp. I mean, listen, I, they're, they're, they're working hard. Like you said, Andy Reed yeah. cranking out plays, but still that for training camp, that, that, that sounds a, a lot nicer than you had it back in the day. Yeah. It's almost like really, it's, it's really the regular season. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what the regular season was like for us. You know, we'd we'd get in, uh, you know, you get your lift in in the morning. If you were a morning person, uh, you could always lift after practice. I was I was definitely a morning lifter. I hated lifting after practice when I was exhausted. Uh-huh. But, you know, we'd get in at, you know, we'd, we'd have special teams meetings at 8, 830. We'd have team meeting at nine. You know, we'd 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 break up an in individual periods we'd have you know lunch you'd get your tape you go out for practice you have a nice two two and a half hour practice you back in you watch some film and you go home like it seemed it seems to me like training camp now is like what the season was like for us yeah um which is you know and hey listen if everybody's doing that then 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 it's all equal right it's not like there is one team out there that's having two a days and is hitting every day you just can't right the rules are such that you really can't so if it's if it's the same for everybody then you know then 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 it's the same for everybody. So I, I think they're, I think they're um, the Chiefs just seem, they seem to be having a little bit of a better pace and tempo though uh, at their camp, which is, which is great. And that's, that's always been Andy Reid's thing. He's yeah, always been a tempo yeah. and pace person when he was, even when he was with Philadelphia. So, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I look, it's one preseason game. It was one drive against the bears. So, you know, let's, uh, I'm not going to get crazy, uh, but you know, Hey, it, it, it beats a, it beats a stick in the eye <laughs> what they did. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how this progresses through the preseason. And then obviously I know that the entire, the entire city right now is chomping at the bit to see the squad take off. An auspicious debut for sure. With, like you said, the, the home preseason game, on the docket for Saturday. Well, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines, find reviews and news for every league, including major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. 
Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information. From live in-game betting, props, and futures, head to Bed Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Joe, again, we've we've been nothing but uh, sunshine and <laughs> about this uh a preseason game because the Chiefs did really look good other than like really the third or fourth string, which I'm not, you know, too worried about the, the, the guys who there were, there were a couple concerns, the guys who I thought didn't play well. Um, the running back is a little, you know, Clyde Edwards, Elair wasn't great, but he only got a couple carries. It was, you know, he wasn't in very much. Derek Gordon uh, and Ron and Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones. I was very excited about his, his status, he his he's tenuous, I think, to make the roster. Yeah, he, had, he struggled. He had four carries for one yard. He he missed a block on that um uh against that Bears defensive end, the rookie who then um had a had a big sack, a 12-yard loss um of Buchel. Um, and then Derek Gore, who looked so good last year, he 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 also struggled. He dropped a pass, he had a fumble. Uh so and with Pacheco really uh, flashy so running game it, is a little again I'm, I'm Ned picking here because the Chiefs look so good but I thought going into the season they had such a deep um, crop of, of running backs I'm now wondering yeah you know Pacheco is, is a surprise um, and then the other the other one that um, I'm going to mention is and, and again this is a position of, of depth for them wide receiver but you know we kept kind of waiting Joe I know you're waiting on, on Josh Gordon to emerge you're uh, really on his side he he had a couple drop I mean he had not drops he had the ball in his hands but he couldn't quite get his feet feet and it would have been a tough catch but kind of two missed opportunities I I think those are some guys who uh, really need to play well on Saturday yeah I think you're right the, 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 and if if they don't they pr- pretty much are going to seal their fate if yeah. they don't do something extraordinary in the next, you know, games. Every guy, I think every guy that you mentioned, unfortunately, right. But you have to talk about that, right. There's, they go in now with all these different rules, 80, 90 guys, and then they got to get to 80 something. Then they got to get to 50, 60, 53, you know, and they got to, they guys have to go. I mean, that's the harsh reality of, of the NFL is that, you know, you have anywhere from 80 to 85 guys throughout the, throughout the off season into camp. And then, you know, you got to get to that 53 and it's hard, man. It's hard to, to see players that, like you said, you're rooting for, that you're pulling for, that you want to, you know, make an impression and you only get so many opportunities, man, to show what you're doing. And that's, that's the hard part, right? You just, you get limited time out there. And if you don't do it on the big stage, the coaches kind of lose a little bit of confidence that, you know, if you're not going to be able to do it on that stage, are you going to be able to do it on the really big one when when it really matters uh, come September? So, yeah, it's going to be hard to you know see some of those guys and, and how it changes and how it changes the chemistry when they're not here. Um, so it's it's you know it's always hard. It's 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 always hard to watch that um, and and to see players that you know like I said that you're kind of pulling for. You know, one of the interesting things about you know about training camp you know these days is. I'm guessing that they're putting a lot more stock on practice even than they do the games mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you get such limited time, um, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming that there's a lot going on from an evaluation perspective on what's happening every single day 
um, at practice because, you know, you only, you only get so much, but especially now that they're down to three preseason games. So, and that's where, in addition to their, their performance on Saturday, that it seems of late that uh, Pacheco has kind of jumped Jones and Gore in, in the order of just in practices, who's getting reps with the, you know, they, they're kind of falling behind it, which is another kind of reason to be uh, on alert for, for those two players. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, if they use these different sets, uh, you know, I know historically they've, they've thrown a lot of three wide receivers in there, but you know, what's going to happen, you know, if they want to go a couple of tight ends and they want to go the two back set, um, is it going to be, you know, is it going to be McColl? Is it going to be, you know, MVS? Is it going to be Juju? Like who, you know, who's going to be the go-to, you know, receiver at that point. I think we'll, you know, we'll find that out as the season progresses. Um, and, uh, you know, and one of their go-to receivers could be, you know, my number's sake, uh, Nick Allegretti. I saw he got in for some, uh, for some tackle eligible stuff in the short yardage early on in the game. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to be around for that as the, uh, the heavy tank, uh, big tight end uh, position again this year. So it looks like he's got that position maybe locked up. So, so we'll be looking maybe for some big things out of another 73 from a, from a touchdown perspective. So I got, so I got, I got the pen guy competing for touchdowns. I got my, my number sake 73 competing for touchdowns. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, people are going to forget all, forget all about old TD Joe, maybe come Justin Watson and Nick Allegretti score more TDs. Either this year. that, or you're just going to become constantly being, uh, mentioning the broadcast. Between well, maybe it'll keep me relevant. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it'll, you know, keep me relevant. They'll say, Oh, it was just like when Joe scored now, but, uh, but no, it's exciting. It's going to be an exciting season. I'm, I'm, you know, again, don't want to put too much stock in, in, in a couple of drives, uh, and, and in one preseason game, but, but I think it's uh, it should give fans at least something really to think about over the next couple of weeks. And something uh, to think about, obviously, our wishes are with Len Dawson. Um, we found out that he entered a hospice care in Kansas City. Joe, I know you have a, a special relationship with him uh, from, from the KMBC days. Uh, you, you were that is how you got the Channel 9 gig right during your playing days is you were helping fill in, fill in for, for Len. Yeah, I was I would fill in for Len when he would uh, do the HBO, uh, you know, inside the NFL with Nick Bonacani, and he would fly to New York for a couple of days and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, everybody have to jump around and jump in different seats to, you know, to fill in for Len and he always appreciated that I was texting back and forth with a good friend of mine from channel nine, John Crumley, who was sports editor for many, many, many years and, and was sort of like lens, uh, lens producer, so to speak. Um, and, and John and I were, you know, going back and forth about how much he meant to all of us. Uh, he was such an inspiration. He was just, he was Lenny cool, man. You know, he, he was so down to earth. You never would have guessed in a million years that you were talking to a guy that, you know, won one of the early Super Bowls and was a legend, Hall of Famer. He just was so down to earth and always there to give you advice or pick you up or give you a little coaching point or tell you what you did well, uh, provide some positive encouragement. And it was really fun to get to, to share, you know, the studio with him and go in and, and spend time. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories, uh, you know, really good stories. One is uh, one time I was, I was with them and, and obviously we used to travel with him and Bill Grigsby as well. So they traveled with us mm-hmm. on, on our trips and I got to know Len even better. And, and through that, and one time Len was sharing with me, uh, he, he had pulled out his, like um, his, his call sheet, right. His, his, like this poster board that he would put together 
that had, you know, Jeff, it had things on there like, you know, uh, you know, John Elway likes spaghetti with three meatballs whenever he has Italian food. And like, my God, Len, like, what are you doing? Like, how much detail do you go into all these players? Like, he would have stories and anecdotes about every single player. And like, he would go into this incredible detail and he goes, I don't know, probably about 10%. And, you know, I was young and, and I didn't really, I was still, you know, kind of growing up and maturing. And I was like, God, Len, that's, that's crazy that you would like waste 90% of the stuff that you prepare. And he said, yeah, but Joe, you got to understand having that hundred percent of preparation and maybe only using 10% of it gives me the confidence to go into that game that I'm going to, I'm going to come up with the right things at the right time to say. And it, and even though I don't use 90% of it, the preparation gets me ready. Um, and I still use that story to this day. When I talk to people in business or corporate life about being prepared, I said, you know, you have to over-prepare even if you're only going to use 10% of something that you you look to present to a client or a prospective client, it gives you that confidence knowing you know everything about it and that you're prepared. And I talk about Len about I talk about Len in that way all the time. That he taught me about that that putting the extra effort in to give you the confidence to be prepared, even though you might get frustrated that you don't use 90% of the information that you spent hours pouring through. And I just thought that was so cool. It was such a, such a lesson in preparation and being successful. And my other favorite Len story was, you know, he grew up in Ohio and when he was a young player in high school, they were playing in a very, uh, you know, uh, 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 a big game. It was like a state championship state playoff game. And the starting quarterbacks had all gotten hurt. And he was like the third string quarterback. And the coach told him to go in. The game was pretty much out of reach. They were already going to win the game. Um, but they said, look, let's, let's really lock this game up. So Len, what we need you to do is on first down, second down and third down, we need you to drop back, fake, like you're going to pass and then just run a quarterback draw, do it on the first play do it on the second, do it on the third. And then on the fourth play, drop back, fake like you're going to run, and then just do a pooch punt. And then by then, we'll we'll have taken enough time off the clock. Well, mm-hmm. on that first, second, and third down, Len was breaking tackles. And, like, he got down. He got – he had a – there was a shoestring tackle. He was about to score, and he got tackled on, like, the two-yard line. But he kept saying that – he kept playing in his mind what the coach told him to do. First down, do this. Second down, do this. Third time, do this. On the fourth play, I want you to drop back, fake like you're going to, you know, uh, pass, but then pooch punt it to the other team. So he's on the two yard line. He drops back and he and he kicks the ball like out of the stadium from the two yard (laughs) line. And the coach is like running. He's running off the sideline and the coach is like, Len, what did you do? He goes, "Uh, exactly what you told me to coach. (laughs) <laughs> so it was like it was that whole like lesson in seeing the big picture right and and cool. and and understanding and like listen when the coach tells you to do something you do it and uh you know and and i just love that story because it was just so len uh to be that humble and to tell that story about how he was a you know young freshman and getting in the game and, and listening to his coach and doing exactly what he could have even though he could have scored a touchdown on that fourth play and he was just just he's just he's just a fantastic human being and i wish him and his family you know, some peace through all of this. And it's never easy, you know, to, to have a, a family member or a loved one or a friend or, you know, someone that you care about go into, you know, hospice care, knowing that the end is, is near. And, uh, you know, it just, I just wish his family peace. I wish the whole community peace and, uh, that, uh, you know, that Len, uh, you know, he just, uh, he, he's a gentleman 
uh, he's a wonderful person. And I, I just think, um, what a treasure, uh, for the city and that he stayed right. He didn't, he didn't go back home to Ohio. He didn't go back to, you know, near Purdue where he went to college. He stayed man in Kansas city. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't go to New York or LA when he, you know, he had the inside the NFL stuff. Right. Absolutely. Joe, do you remember the first time you met Len? Uh, well, I, I met Len prior to my stint at channel nine, just through him doing the games. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember yeah. meeting Len at, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a, I almost said as a freshman, uh, as a rookie, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you, you know, you come in, you get drafted. And I remember doing, uh, doing an interview, um, with Len, uh, my rookie year, uh, early on after the draft and everything during one of the rookie mini camps. And he was there covering, uh, you know, covering the chiefs at the locker room. And it was just like, Cause he was the, he was like the one guy that my dad, like as soon as, you know, my dad, my dad was a, he loved football, but he wasn't like a huge football fan. Mm -hmm. right? He was, my dad was a boxer and he liked football and, and he followed it, but he wasn't like, he wasn't somebody that knew all the players or, you know, all the history of, of different teams. But that, that was one guy he knew he's like, you know, Joey, when you get out there, you know, you gotta, there's a guy that, you know, I remember watching and, quoting my dad and you know and that's you know and that's len dawson right i mean you know he just he just he just was that quarterback right that just made the big difference out on the field so uh yeah but he was the one player that my dad knew that's cool and uh you know it's just uh it's just you know it's sad it's always sad these times in in families lives or people's lives that you know you have to go through and, and i think it's uh you know um he's just a treasure he's a treasure and we're lucky to have kept him had him and for him to be around, you know, all these years around the community that uh, that loved him so much and that he loved so much. A great lesson, like you said, the the ten uh, percent thing. He was only using ten percent, but still um, did all that prep work. Joe, do you remember like a tip that he gave you um, when you were working at KMBC? Like he saw your footage and he do this, do that, that you were able to incorporate. Yeah, he and Brian Busby used to tell me do weather. <laughs> That's what his tip was. He said, if you ever make a career in this, Joe, he goes, go into weather. <laughs> and he was like, cause you can, you know, you only have to be right. So much, so many percentages of the time you can still, you can still make it to the broadcasters hall of fame. So it was like, he, he, he you know, he's like, uh, you know, cause sports was draining, you know, I mean, it was it, it covering sports is tough because if you think about, and Jeff, it's really, you know, part of the reason why I, I didn't really pursue and heavily pursue a career you know, in sports, uh, broadcasting, to be honest, um, because, you know, watching some of the lifestyle that you have to have when you cover sports, think about it, right. When you're especially coming home to Philadelphia, you know, where there's four major pro teams, right. And, and a ton of colleges and all that stuff, just, you know, just like there are in other big cities, um, you know, you go into work at three in the afternoon and you get home at midnight every day. And your weekends are shot, right? Because you're covering a baseball are, team, yeah. you're covering a football team, you're covering a hockey team, basketball, whatever it might be. The games are always on the weekends. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, I always remember Len saying that. He's like, you know, if you're going to do this, go in the weather. It's more, it's nine to five, basically, is what he was saying. Because um, it's tough. So covering sports is tough. Everybody thinks it's very sexy and romantic uh, to, to, to be doing that. But, you know, you, if you start really thinking about, oh, yeah. God, I see these, I see these sports, you know, people covering sports 10 o'clock at night, right? When everybody else is, 
having fun or doing their thing. And, you know, when your kids are at school or, you know, your, your other family members and, or friends are working during the day, you're working almost really like second shift, really, if you think yeah. about it. Hey, most, you're preach, preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, most, most people who cover sports cover, you know, work second shift and, uh, you know, Len was always, he, 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 he always, you know, did his best to keep a life balance, um, you know, with, with, with not letting it completely take over his life. But that was something that he, you know, he would always say to me. Len, know that we are uh, thinking about you here at uh, Believe in Chiefs. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.